on, everyone. Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema. This is episode 214, where today we're talking about Nomadland on Hulu and Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max. I am one of your hosts, Grayson Maxwell. And it's me, Roger Stillian. And I'm Christopher Bond. Permaguest Christopher Bond, everyone, welcome. How are you guys, Chris and Roger? What's going on? Um, Nothing. How's that big <laughs> snowstorm treating you guys? It's over. It's just, gone. Just been a lot of leftover ice. Smashed snow everywhere. <laughs> seven degrees this morning. It's like seven. So there's just ice falling off of everything. Yep. It's that is super cold. That's below freezing, if you didn't know that. Well, my daughter lost her first tooth. That happened. Exciting. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, kind of cool. God, you know how they say, like, hearing things can, like, bring sensory memories back? <laughs> I almost didn't know what you're talking about for a second. Yeah. <laughs> no, the rock did not, but the tooth fairy did visit. Oh, nice. Which, okay, this brings up. What's the going rate? That's what I was, about to, I was about to ask you that. Does, do you, well, Grayson, you don't. Well, for a different reason, maybe, but. Roger, what's the, what do you think the going rate on a tooth should be in 2021, well, this current climate? Well, I mean, I don't know. Um, like don't like a dollar? A we don't give much in my house because yeah. not much for the value of money. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, a couple of bucks maybe? Yeah, yeah. So so we, we landed on $2. Okay, that sounds fair. Seemed like you know, a good one. It was our first tooth, and we, we had the discussion of, well, should the first one be worth more than the rest? And I was like, that's kind of stupid. That just no, the last one should be worth the most. Yeah, right? you know, you, you're devaluing the, the rest of the teeth when they come out later on. Like, you know. They're of no value. <laughs> Spit them directly into the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Lost a tooth. Boom. Things with that, with that With that very comical, like, spit and, like, hit a tin yeah. can noise. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we landed on $2, and she was super pumped about it. She woke up, saw the money, and then left it underneath there so she'd come back home to it later on and see it again. Nice. Yeah, she was pumped. I mean... Good for her, man. See, yeah. she's she's gonna she's gonna treasure that two bucks the rest of her life. You you, well, you I mean, wait, you she, wait. She used it to buy more for her her Barbie dream house, so mm, she's already ready yeah. to spend that money. So she's like her mother, she already spent, <laughs> <laughs> already spent. I don't what uh, Roger. What did Chris? What did you guys remember? Get like what's the what did you guys remember getting for your first few tea? Like, do you have memories? That I don't. I don't really remember ever getting much more than a dollar for any of them. Yeah, I, I I would say I think I think I got a I think I got anywhere between 50, 50 cents and a dollar per tooth. I don't think it was much more than I that. I just think the whole change on the bed thing is just asking for it to come up missing. So <laughs> I mean from the tooth fairy standpoint, of course. Yeah, yeah. To answer yeah. your question, I grew up poor, so we didn't get money. We got uh snacks and food that was already in the house put underneath of our pillow. Nice. Oh, what a, what an interesting tooth fairy to bring things already in your house to you. Well, like, you know, when you're young you don't think well, about no. it, but all of a sudden Wait. there's a pack of gummies. Listen, clearly, thing. clearly you like those snacks exactly i would like yep. more of the same yeah. snacks so like you know there's a pack of gummies underneath your pillow you guys you remember up. that you guys remember that feeling of boxes. you guys remember that feeling of um like, like just over to squish a capri sun <laughs> <laughs> just blast it like wake up like you pissed yourself luckily my head hasn't always been this abnormally large it's so pretty big. i do have a large noggin Big. You guys remember that feeling? What it was like, you know, a tooth is like it's almost loose, but like it just back and forth held on by like a few. It's just it like it's kind of painful, but like it's kind of an annoying painful. You remember that feeling? I used to pull my teeth out long before they mm. should have fell out because what the, why was, would you do that? I once it was loose, it's got to go. Bro. Yep. Uh, yeah. I like uh, it'd be like weeks before it's just ready. I'm just like, no, it's coming out like yep. in 24 hours. Can't stop. <laughs> I'm like, so, how, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Really hard things to. To bust it out. 
So hold on, hold on. Hard stop here. Did you ever like use like, you know, like pliers or anything? Or did no. you just like, no. what the, I can't imagine like forcing myself to lose like a tooth to come out. No, thanks. I can tell you about my most violently annexed tooth from my mm. mom. Oh my goodness. Yes, no, my pop went out, did you? Well, so uh, my mom used to babysit for a little extra money because once again, we're poor. Sure. And um, we were over to this, we were over to these kids' house that was a super nice house. Huge. I remember, you know, when I was, when I was young, I was like eight years old. I was jumping on this on this couch that was like downstairs in like the playroom, mm. and it was me, and my brother, and the two kids that were. I see where watched. this is going. Yeah, right. Well, I'm jumping on the couch, and uh, this so, someone I didn't know this this person's daughter was like, you know, like sitting out watching TV, and I jump off the couch and I like miss my landing, mouth wide open. I come down, crash on her skull with my mouth. <laughs> oh, <open>. you <laughs> flying in her head <laughs> and not knocked not my like one of my top teeth clear out. It was just hanging by the skin. Just hanging there, dangling. Oh my goodness! Yeah, my mom oh. everywhere. I remember this. <laughs> it was awesome. Wait, it was still one of your baby teeth, though, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. so that's <laughs> that's different. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, that was that, that was that's the tooth I remember losing vividly. When I was like uh, six or seven, I have a similar story. I didn't end up like flying, bite somebody's head though. I was wrestling with my uncle, and that was my grandparents, and they had um, their couch had like wooden. Um, armrest. Oh yeah, oh. and I went mouth first in the armrest. Ah. My two front teeth. I didn't break them out. I broke the teeth though. Okay. So I had like chipmunk tiny <laughs> little half teeth till they had to be um, because the tooth wasn't dead. It was still alive, mm-hmm. and um, so they kept them until they fell out naturally. So I had like weird little buck teeth for like a month or so. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> awful oh, I, I remember like it didn't even hurt everybody's like oh my god because i was like my teeth were broken yep yeah you know one of my favorite stories is um i, I can i can hear my okay so one of my favorite stories is um working on the fantastic four in baton rouge louisiana 2014 i had to go get all my wisdom teeth taken out at once mm-hmm. i don't know why but they started really wait what I said I never got my wisdom teeth. I'm 38. I don't think they're coming. Mine grew. So I had to get them all. For some reason, they just all started hurting within like three or four weeks of each other. And I went to see a dentist. He's like, they all got to come out. Like, there's not enough room in your mouth. They have to come out now. So I went to go like an emergency Tuesday. And the I was a clerk on that show. And the second, Mark, also I, I knew from working a job in Pittsburgh, went with me. And he took me to the office. And they had to heavily sedate me because they had to pull four very solid teeth out. Like they had to somehow oh, pry them to, out. They basically saw them out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so oh, they had to oh. they had to heavily sedate me. And so when when it, when it was over, they went out. Now this is all Mark telling me the story with the doctor joking with me when I went back for for, for my follow-up appointment a week later. And um so the doctor's like, "Yeah, I came out and told your friend." And Mark looked at me, he he he, he goes, "Grayson, they thought you were dead." <laughs> They, they 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 said we can't wake up your friend and i said what do you mean he's dead like or, or just asleep like no 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 he's asleep but we can't wake him up so his but his first thought went to he's dead that'd be a very grayson maxwell way to die it would during, be <laughs> during wisdom deep extract <laughs> what an awful way to die come on man drooling. yeah drowning on his own drool <laughs> that's uh, terrible even your oh, death well. is lackluster Wow, thank yeah. you, Chris. Appreciate that. Yep. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right, we've been talking about teeth and tooths and tooth fairies and all right. What do you okay, well just let me before we end this conversation, I have to know, what do you think now the Fortnite kid crowd expects to get for a tooth? 
under their pillow? Like, what do you think they legitimately expect to get from the tooth? Probably about five bucks. That's where we hovered for a moment. I was like, no, that's too much. I would say twenty. I, I would say they they think they were entitled to 20, 20 bucks. 20? I would. Whew. Man, there are some kids I bet could, could get now twenty twenty five bucks. Some kids probably get iPhones when they wake up underneath their bed. <laughs> that's true. Oh, I work at a cell phone place. So I know ten year olds that get iPhones. Oh, oh my so goodness. there's that. All right. Did you guys watch anything interesting outside of the ones we watched for this week? I didn't watch much movies this week besides what we had to. Um, I did end up watching what Captain America was on. Yeah. The first one, and I end up uh, going through that sometimes. I did. I'm watching. I'm rewatching all the Harry Potters, and I told this story to you guys before, but I mean, I've just. So on Saturday, I went into work at six. I said that we'd have to scan a bunch of stuff. So I just spent 12 hours scanning things. I was watching movies as I was going, and <clears throat> a, a movie we talked about, a Netflix original, Kodachrome, with uh, Ed, Ed, Ed Harris. Um, Olsen, Rebecca Olsen, and um, who's Ted Lasso? What's his name? Jason Sudeikis. Yes, yeah, Sudeikis. A very emotional movie um, about uh, a, a son and his father reconnecting, but his Ed Harris, his father, is really a dick to everyone, and he's always been a dick. His son hates him. His son just... And then they end up reconnecting, but there's a scene in, in a hospital room where he starts... Ed heading out... This is this is this story is directly linked to a movie we're going to talk about today, Nomadland. But Ed, now you need someone of Ed Harris's caliber to pull this off. He just starts, he just puts his head down and starts crying as he's telling the story of his favorite time of his son at a very young age, just laying on his lap, sleeping on his shoulder while he's just sitting there on the living room floor watching TV. And now, he, if if he could live forever, it would be in those moments. And for some reason, I don't know why. I mean, I know why, because it's emotional. Now, keep in mind, I, I had also just watched Like Father, another Netflix original movie, very emotional, and Marley and Me. I've just watched Marley and Me. <clears throat> For some reason, I just started openly weeping. Like, the tears were streaming down my face. You would have thought I just lost a family member myself. And it was, so I, I had to get up and go shut the door to my office so no one could see that I was crying. <laughs> so no one could see your shame. I was, but it just, it's one of those things that just hit me at the right time. And it, if you've not seen Kodachrome or have seen Kodachrome, but it's been a while, go back and revisit that scene. It's about an hour and a half into the movie. It is, it's gut-wrenching. It just rips your soul out of you. It just You need someone of Ed, of Ed Helms's or sorry, of Ed, uh, Ed Harris's Helm. caliber. <laughs> no, not Ed, not Ed Helms. Ed Harris's caliber to, to do that. And same with, you know, we're going to talk about Francis McDormand later in Nomadland, but you need actors of that caliber to pull off certain things. But man, it just, I don't know, it, just, it took me like 20 minutes to like come back from that and like recompose myself and get back to work. Ooh, that was, that was bad. But so yeah, I've watched a ton of movies this week. Uh, well, good. <laughs> this is episode 214 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast Ooh, about movies. Whoa. What? What? She came in aggressive there. <laughs> I, I, I did. I'm an aggressive type of guy. This is, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> what is, Okay. You're the one that says the things. I do. I do. <laughs> this is two, two, episode 214 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema, which posts each and every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which is then distributed to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office, current upcoming releases, what's streaming, some news, some trailers, and then movies of the week. So as without further ado, let's jump into the box office, where I'm very happy to report... 
The Croods, A New Age, still holds the top one, the number one spot, bringing in an additional one point seven million, bringing its worldwide gross to one hundred and fifty four million. Wonder Woman, The Croods is coming for you. The the, the, the little things, one point two million, bringing its worldwide to twenty point two million. Not great. But also remember that was also released on HBO Max as well. Judas and the Black Messiah, another HBO Max theatrical release, same days, <clears throat> bringing in under a million dollars domestic, bringing its worldwide total to three point four million dollars. That's not great. Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, bringing in just under a million eight hundred five k worldwide to one hundred fifty nine point four. That's just shy of one hundred sixty million. The Marksman, still in the top five position, bringing in 775K worldwide total to $15.1 million. Liam, it might be time to stop doing those cookie cutter movies. Not, not much change there in the box office, but like, I mean, who's expecting much to change right now? No, is that the same there? as what it was? Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, last week? yeah, pretty much. But I'm, I'm amazed that the, the HBO Max movies don't do better. I thought that people getting the option to do it release day and date in theaters and on their HBO Max streaming service would actually bring more people to the theater real realizing that it's a very different experience in, in home and the theater, but maybe I'm wrong or, or maybe COVID really is still a concern for a lot of people. I don't know what, what's when you guys have the option, where, where, where do you watch it? Well, I think it's different for us though, right? You know, we, we usually want, we want to see it in theaters. Whereas if you take a large sample of people, and if you have only one way to do something and then you change that and add a different way, no matter what, in a large sample of people, some people are doing it the other way. It's just it's just going to happen. So no matter what, they lose some box office numbers by opening it up to have a different way to, to view it. Just by the raw amount of people that will have the option. Someone's not going to the theaters because they can just watch it at home. Well, I mean, I go to theater, but I just I'm a theater guy. But I'm, I also go there this weekend. I watched um, on Friday night. I went to watch uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. They have all kinds of cool stuff playing. I saw a few weeks ago. I saw um, back the, the Back to the Future movies in the theater. Like it's just cool to see them in the theater again. Hmm. Uh, but I'm sure you guys, Roger, you watch it at home. I'm, I'm assuming uh, almost always, yeah, if I can. But so that's fair. You know, I don't mind going to the movie theater. But like all this HBO Max stuff, I'm just gonna watch it from my couch, man. Hmm. Now, do you guys really think? Do you guys really think that Dune is going to come out day and date? I mean, HBO says so. Or, or is it going to be in like a much like a seven day run, in HBO Max? I mean, that's fine by me. Either way. Yeah, I just, I, I just don't see that movie coming out on. I just don't. But you know, that's just me. All right. Not much. I mean, there's not really much change in the box office and or and or that. But yeah, it's unfortunate. But that's just where we're at right now. All right. There's nothing really in the shakeup for the what's coming out. Uh, this past weekend, Nomadland went wider in theaters in Hulu. Blythe Spirit, Body Brokers, I Care A Lot on Netflix, which we'll be watching next week. Uh, the March 4th brings us the SpongeBob movie. The 5th, which is a Friday, Chaos Walking, Coming to America, Raya and the Last Dragon, both on streaming services. Raya and the Last Dragon doesn't come out until July. Oh, it's on this site till on March 5th. Oh, it's March. No, I mean because it's going to be thirty dollars until oh, July. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I that's not going to stop a lot of people. But Zack Snyder's Justice League will come out on March eighteenth on HBO Max. That's we're we're like a, a mere weeks away from from, from that disaster to hit again. That's five hours long. I mean, if if you're going to make a fan cut anyway, why not just put in everything you wanted to put in? Like, if something's cut, it's because it doesn't work with the movie, not for time. 
Right? I mean, if you're going to make a big cut, why not just make the longest? Why not just make the movie you wanted to make to to begin with? Because when you you don't have to worry about theatrical running time, things change a little bit. I mean, some some editing decisions might be made a little differently. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out. Mm -hmm. We will indeed. That's coming out very soon. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) I kind of am, just because I want to see... I mean, if the movie sucks or it's no different, then this is the last you're going to see of these. Are you going to rewatch the original cut first and then watch oh, the Snyder Christ, cut? No. Well, I've seen the original <laughs> cut a few times. Video. I won't rewatch it before the Snyder cut, but I've seen the original cut enough times that I could probably tell where the where the new footage will be added. Um, so April has a bit of a shakeup. Hopefully, most of the movie is redone, though, because in that case, it might be good. There you go. At uh, the end of the end of March, the thirty first um, on theatrical and HBO Max is Godzilla, Godzilla vs. King Kong, and then April is where things <clears throat> get a little different. The French exit and nobody, so nobody got reslated to April second. Yep, it moved it out of okay. which I can see. I can see that moving again, but we'll see. As we get closer to April, we'll see. Fatherhood and Mortal Kombat are theatrical on April sixteenth, um, and then. 16th? <clears throat> Yeah, March Combat's an HBO movie though, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Okay. Uh, it doesn't say HBO Max though, right next to it's it. It's an HBO Max movie. It's fine. Yeah, well the other ones do. That one doesn't. Uh, May is Black Widow, the human factor. That stuff hasn't changed, but I mean, we'll see. If we get closer to the big summer summer releases, I'm sure there will be a little bit of a shakeup. Let's check out what's streaming for this week. This week we we take a look at HBO Max. Which is going to be? I just picked some movies that two good ones and one funny one. <laughs> I'm laughing because you're gonna laugh at the funny one. Dunkirk by director Christopher Nolan, Tom Hardy, Kenneth Branagh. Dunkirk James... is hilarious. No, no that's, not, that's not the funny that's one. Not right. That's not but, right at all. James Darcy, Cillian Murphy, uh, Harry Styles, Fionn Whitehead, Carrie Keogh. 2017. That movie is good. One of Nolan's better one. It was up for all kinds of rewards. If you've not seen that one, it is available on HBO Max. Check that one out. Argo, if you remember from 2012, by director Ben Affleck, starring Ben Affleck, Brian Cranston, John Goodman, Alan Arkin, Victor Garber, Tate Donovan, Kyle Chandler, and Roger's favorite, Titus Welliver. Love Titus Welliver. Yeah, you do. You you, you love his villainy. That's also available. And (laughs) this is the one I chose. I just laughed. I've watched not too long ago. Get Hard. By director Eaton Cohen, Will Ferrell, Kevin Hart, Allison Brie, Craig T. Nelson, Greg Gurman. 2015, if you remember, that's the one where um, Will Ferrell's character is set up to go to prison and then he hires Kevin Hart, who's never been to prison, to teach him how to be in prison. Uh, it's just it's just a funny movie. I don't I mean there's nothing great about it, but I, I laughed a few times, so check that one out if you're in for a good laugh. Now, two weeks ago I talked about how Holbrook and Christopher Plummer they recently passed. I wanted to give kind of an homage to them, uh, take a few minutes to talk about some movies that I've liked. Uh, going back, they both have credits dating back to the early 1950s up until 2020. So, I mean, as long as, look, they have done it. They were very successful very early in their lives. And look, they deserve a little bit of uh, a few minutes on, on, on shows to talk about. So movies that I really fell in love with are 19... 19- 76 is all the presidents meant for Hal Holbrook midway uh the remake we just watched and really weren't weren't huge with wow, wow. yeah the firm 1993 with Tom Cruise the bachelor with Chris O'Donnell he was a voice in Hercules he was in the majestic with um uh what's his uh, Jim Jim Carrey yep 
Into the Wild 2007, Water for Elements 2011, Lincoln, Promised Land 2012. Uh, those are just some of my highlights for Hal Holbrook. And what makes Hal Holbrook special for me is in 2012, uh, when they were filming Promised Land in the early part of the year, I was working on the other movie at the time, um, the other Christian Bale movie, Out of the Furnace, which our movies didn't share any locations, but our actors shared a hotel. So um, there were some mornings I had to go pick up the director from the hotel, but um, there's also some mornings I had to pick up Christian Bale from the hotel. And there was one afternoon I had to run to the hotel to pick up sides, and I ran into Hal Holbrook, who was on the other show. So I didn't get to talk to him for any length of time. I just I was like, whoa, Hal Holbrook. And, that, and then he said hello, shook my hand, and then he walked away from me. So that was my experience with how whole whole. Then he forgot you were alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably, but man, we lost some titans a few weeks ago. Christopher Plummer, another one of my favorites. Also a man with credits dating back to the early 1950s, the golden age of cinema, up to he has a movie that's considered still shooting right now, The Golden Masks, 2020. So that's a long career. He's still uh, Impressive. He, he, <laughs> yeah, very impressive. <laughs> Fall of the Roman Empire was 1964. The Sound of Music, he played Von Trapp in 1965. Night of the Generals, 1967. The Battle of Britain, 1969. The Man Who Would Be King, he played Rudyard Kipling in the late 1970s. Uh, Dragnet, 1987. Malcolm X, we're up to the 90s now with uh, Denzel Washington. 12 Monkeys, where Brad Pitt loses his mind in 1995. The Insider, 1999, that's with Al Pacino and uh, Michael Mann, I think, did that one. Uh, that was a big one with me too. A Beautiful Mind, 2001, in which, if you remember, one beat one best picture. He was in National Treasure, Must Love Dogs in 2005, The New World uh, with 2005, also Inside Man, 2006. He was a voice in Up, 2009, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, The Man Who Invented Christmas in 2017, All the Money in the World, he was there for the reshoot, Knives Out, a movie which we talked about and loved. Uh, the Last Full Measure, another movie which we absolutely loved. And Heroes of the Golden Masks is being filmed right now, but he is obviously no longer part of it. But that movie is – I'm glad it. you clarified. <laughs> uh, and those movies resonate with you guys. I mean maybe some of the latter ones like you know maybe Knives Out with for Christopher Plummer, full, The Last Full Measure. We love those movies. We really love those movies. Yeah. Those are fantastic movies. Any of those movies stick out for you guys or – I mean, there's lots of good ones in there, especially for Christopher yeah. Plummer. So, yeah, yeah, just too. I always like Inside but... Man. I always thought that was a really clever movie. Oh, that was Clive Owen. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Clive Owen. There's, there's someone you talk about with like Colin. Like I always talk about Colin Farrell had every opportunity to become a list and just never did. Like he just never became. I mean, at, Clive Owen was in for like six years. He was in everything. He was King Arthur for God's sakes. He was almost James Bond, and then he just. Went nowhere. <laughs> Sorry, Clive. I, I I love you, buddy, but you, your your career has gone nowhere. All right. Now let's look at. I just I such a sigh of I just I hate the fact that we 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 lost those people, but I mean they're just they're good and they're I mean they're just they're they're legends in the industry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They are absolute legends. Now let's talk about some trailers. A trailer dropped this week. A very big trailer for Disney, Cruella. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of Cruella with Emma Stone? So it's nice that Cruella DeVille is now a Batman villain. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, I was actually surprised that they kept that line in there about girl power. Um, 
I, I thought we were very surprised, given where we are politically in 2021. I was very surprised that they left that one in there. But this trailer very, um, very leads up to that. So that's. But what do you guys think about? You know, we haven't had a 101 Dalmatians movie in decades. You're right because we need more of them, and we still well, don't. Yeah. I don't. I didn't hate those movies. I kind of liked them actually, but I mean, they weren't. They just never did anything with them after they were done. Yeah. Do you guys remember? I mean, I mean do, do do I not have as fond memories as I should? Or I mean, of course, the the original 101 Dalmatians is a classic animated movie. Everything else past then, I don't care about. Yeah, I mean, they're fine. You know, they're they're definitely not the standouts for you know. I think if you asked 100 people what you know what their favorite Disney movie, animated movie is, very few of them are actually going to say 101 Dalmatians. What if you ask 101? Ah, <laughs> there it is. I don't think I I would bet if you asked 101 people. I bet you five. I bet you five or less would say 101 Dalmatians. Five, so five point something percent with 101 people. Not, not bad. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's terrible. Four point. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm all for. I'm all for you know Emma Stone being badass. I'm all for them resurrecting these. You know, what I don't want this to become is something that the original Dumbo. wasn't. I don't want to. Yeah. Dumbo. Dumbo. What? That was a disaster. I think. I think Emma Stone's ability to act will help prevent that from happening at least. But I mean, Dumbo had a good cast, though. I mean. Dumbo had a really good awesome. cast. No, it was really bad. Yeah, no, Dumbo's one of the worst. But, I mean, it, of, of the live-action remakes, it's it's one of the most unmemorable ones yeah, so literally far. literally one of the most forgettable movies I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for Cruella. I think Emma Stone is a great is a great pick for this. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Now, it, it looks to me like they... It definitely has a very dark Christopher Nolan Batman universe feel, though, after you said that. It, like, I was oh, like, yeah. yes, it does. <laughs> like, if you found out she was the Riddler in the new Batman franchise, you'd be like, okay, I get it. Well, I mean, like, like just voice over that whole trailer with, like, with one of the one of the Dark Knight trilogy trailers, and it's it's, it's going to fit <laughs> oh, yeah. perfectly. Like, this well, is here's the so noise, and, like, the bat <laughs> symbol flies up yep. behind. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we have, I mean, Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, Mark Strong. That's a, that, that's a strong cast right there, Not let, let alone any, any of the other people. And that's just, I, I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised by Cru- Cruella. That's all I'm saying. Hoping to be pleasantly surprised. I don't know. But my daughter is in love with like the Disney Descendants movies, so this might be something I can go. I can take her to see because you know the bad guys being bad is something she actually enjoys seeing now. Good. What about Roger? Did you ever expose your daughter to any of the 101 Dalmatian no, movies? she doesn't care about that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. I mean, it's yeah, some people just don't care about it. It's just I not anything it's ever doesn't actually come into um, into play much. All the other Disney movies, you know, there's there's just so many that are more modernized now, I guess. Mm, yeah. I mean, there's it's how old is the original? Like, is it like the 50s? I, mean, I, I, I think it's in the 70s. Maybe I'm wrong. I could yeah, be wrong. I, I don't it's know. It's a 50-year-old movie. I'm going to check 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, but they're the classics, guys. They're the classics. 19, no. Whose classics? Oh, the I for I completely forgot about the remake with Glenn Close in 1996. I completely forgot about that one. Do you guys even remember about that one? For the original, what's what's that? 1961 for the original. I had no. I, I forgot that 1996 one existed with Glenn Close, Jeff Daniels, Jolie Richardson, Hugh Laurie House was in that movie. I completely forgot about that one. I think Hugh Laurie is gold. It's fine. Yeah, yes, he's great. Um, but I mean, obviously that one didn't go anywhere either. So. I mean, I am excited for that. Well, let's talk about the other trailer this week that everyone is welcome to go watch. The Seventh Day, directed by Justin Lang, and has Guy Pierce, Stephen Lang, Keith David, 
What'd you guys, did you guys, okay, so when I watched this trailer, I got like heavy, like 2004-ish vibes from where I mean, we were. if it means Guy Pierce is kicking the piss out of demons, I'm here for it. Yeah, um, I, I think, so, I mean, after a, a good stint of being on the show, I've actually come to enjoy the horror genre a little more than I used to, because I used to hate horror movies. So wait, 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 and, why why do you hate them? If you don't because mind, because most answer. of them are bad. We've discussed this. Why I hate most horror movies. <laughs> I, mean, I got your back on this. Yeah, one. they're mostly garbage. Yeah, pretty bad. I got act imagination. Don't need don't need a bad movie and then to be scared later on from a bad movie. I don't need that in my life. So, but like this, I, I think I'm kind of in for. I'm I'm big on the whole angel demon thing. I always have been. Constantine's in my top in like my top ten. You know, for similar reasons, also an underrated movie. But like, I'm in for the whole demon thing. So we'll see how this goes. But I'm excited for this one actually. All right, yeah, there was a. I remember there was a. I don't know why I thought of this, but there was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie called End of Days. Yes, yes. In like l- the late nineties or very early two thousands, I think. One of I think it's an underrated movie as well. That's actually a pretty good one. It's got Al Pacino in it, right? I don't remember who was it. I just remember he was in. It was about a demon ending the world in two thousand. Well, what wasn't it? It was. Wasn't yeah, it? I'm pretty sure Al Pacino yeah. was like the 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 big bad in that. Interesting. Yeah, that's. I don't know why I got that vibe, but I did. And you know, other vibe I got, and this is, com- I'm sure, completely unrelated. But what was that? Uh, that Heath Ledger movie, oh, The Order. Do you remember that? I haven't seen that one. No, I don't know. I'm the only one that I remember. Yeah, where he like he becomes the sin eater, and he he takes all the sin amongst himself. It was the same cast as Knight's Tale. Shannon Sossaman, Mark Addy, and Heath Ledger came out to 2002. It didn't do anything, but it was kind of a big deal for a few weeks. But it just didn't do anything. Like they they advertised the hell out of that movie. That was one of my first uh, Carmike movies, actually, that I was there for. Nice. Interesting. Memories. Memories, memories. All right. Let's talk about some... Mortal Kombat trailer. Mortal Kombat trailer. Yes, yeah. please. Give me... Give me what's your, okay. Give me your... Given what the Mortal Kombat films we've gotten, give me your honest opinion about where you think this one slots in for what it's going to do for the Mortal Kombat franchise. Well, no matter what, it's going to be better than the second Mortal Kombat movie. This is true. Right? Yes. Um, I honestly think I kind of like what they're doing with it, and it looks like they put real production value behind it because they could have just threw something together and slapped a name on it. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel like that's what they're doing. So, and I mean, it's definitely going to be rated R. They're not beating around the bush at all. I mean, the trailer is a red band trailer, mm-hmm. which is good. And yeah, that's that's good because that's what it needs to be. It doesn't have to be over the top violent, but I mean, you, it has to be violence, has to be fatalities. Like it's part of the. The franchise, mm-hmm. so you have to. Well, have yeah, to Mortal Kombat is definitely known for its like its violence and its. You know, I mean, very very famously on some of the like what in the Super Nintendo version you could turn blood on or off or was it that no it was, was it that version you could turn it on the yeah. Super Nintendo you couldn't do it. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. So the Genesis version was always kind of more edgy than the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, those were a big deal back in the day. If if kids are too young that don't remember, like that the, the SNES versus Genesis, you know the whole debate there. Like Mortal Kombat was a big deal for like five years. You know, it was just like every kid wanted to play. You know, it's just the fatalities and the and then what came next? The the babalities. <laughs> There's a lot of that stuff. Oh god, yeah. yeah. I I haven't played I, any of the new I, ones, but I know the new ones. Like some of the DLC, you can like uh, Predator, Alien, Jason Voorhees. Yeah, like Rambo. Some yeah, Rambo, Freddy. Yeah, I mean, what leather <laughs> I haven't played any of the new ones, but like, I think from where it was, it's come a long way. But it's you know, if people who like those fighting games, I mean, I'm sure it's it's well it's regarded. Still very, very popular. Yep. 
Very interesting. Um, I don't know where it's gonna. F- I actually like those early Mortal Kombat movies. The first one's fine. The first one, the first one, the first Mortal Kombat was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Really? Yes. Nice. That that was the first one. Interesting. Yeah, I was uh, I was like eight or nine. No, I was nine, and and I actually went. I lived in an apartment complex, and one of the one of the kids I was friends with was going to see it, and their mom took us and stuff, and I got nice. to see it in theaters. Really cool. That that kid stole my uh my. My Nickelodeon guts game from me as well. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch from the guts game. Like remember the arm, the, the Arnold Super Nintendo. Oh. Yeah, that was Super Nintendo. That was only on Super Nintendo. That was not Sega. Why do you know this? I just I don't know random <laughs> stuff. But... <laughs> Nerd. Um, I love your I love your Nickelodeon guts game lore. <laughs> Very advanced. Uh, well, that was back in the so the original Mortal Kombat. That was. How many years after Mario did that happen? Like the like the 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 famously bad Mario Brothers movie. That had to be a few. Uh, a, oh, the uh, movie? quite a few years after. Yeah. I think. Yeah. All right. So that yeah, or that uh, that Mario movie is a disaster. Yeah. But don't worry, the next Mario movie is going to be fantastic. Yeah. So watch, super pumped for that. Back to Mortal Kombat for a second. Watching the trailer has me excited for it, but like, I'm tentatively excited for I think for good reasons, but. I think they're going to do one of two things. Well, they're going to do one thing for sure. They're going to go overboard and oversaturate the Sub-Zero Scorpion thing. And that can that is either going to destroy this movie or it's going to or it's going to do exactly what this movie needs and make it take off. So, it depends But is on it, it isn't the Sub-Zero and Scorpion isn't that kind of a like one of the original plot lines of Mortal Kombat? Well, it's were, one of the most basic plot lines. Yeah, no, it, it was the, it was the first really popular plot line. The, the first and the main plot line was Liu Kang and uh, Shang Sun. Oh, that's right. Because, that's right. Because Kung, Kung Lao was killed by Shang Sun, and that's why Liu Kang came into the whole thing to begin with. So that's that, that's where like, that was like the first like major storyline. But you know that aside, the two cool looking ninjas with fire and ice is the thing that took off weird. So. And then, and then an MK2 Reptile was a big deal. Yes, yeah. Well, because Reptile was the next ninja that was introduced, so people were pumped about it. And I don't know. It's just that storyline you could make a, a whole HBO series about if they really wanted to because of how much stuff they've now created for those two and their feud. But it, either they're going to lean too hard into it or they're going to lean – and it's going to be a bad thing or they're going to lean super hard into it and, and it's going to carry the movie. Either way, I'm excited to see it because Sub-Zero is my favorite character in any – uh, fighting video game I've ever played. So well, yeah, but you you have to assume they learn lessons from the original films. As well, <laughs> okay, Never assume that. I, I I I have to assume that they did. They'd be they'd be foolish to make the same mistake twice. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, I mean, listen, it'd be bad if they did. I won't be surprised if I'm like, well, this is also bad. How many Resident Evil movies do we have? Oh my God, seven. <laughs> Hold on, hold, hold, hold on. Hold the phone about Res- just one minute on Resident Evil. There's a remake coming. Who cares? I do. I'm a fan. Like I'm a fan Why of the original no, one. Stop. Got stop. There's like two decent Resident Evil movies, and there are five that are utter trash piles. What no, but I'm doing? a I, I'm a fan of the original of the 1996 or whatever that was on PlayStation. I'm a okay. fan of it. That, that's the one that's all right. Yeah. yeah, there's the there's the one. Um, yeah, expect a sub, sub September third is the release date for this new Resident Evil movie. Isn't that incredible? We haven't seen anything for it, but it's comes out in September. Yikes! It makes complete sense. <laughs> I hope they, I, I hope they do it in the you know in the mansion and everything. I that's what I thought it was, but maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Ugh. I mean, look, I mean, with the with the with the gaming reboots, those have been highly successful. So I mean, who knows what we're gonna be? But 
I think we've talked a long time on the Mortal Kombat trailer. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Let's get into WandaVision. Take a few minutes on that. Where are we sitting, boys? Well, I mean, I liked everything through episode six. I am not caught up currently, so I can't really comment anything more. All I know is that I'm enjoying this more than I thought I would. All right, episode seven is out now. So, Oh, one thing about episode seven. So in the middle of the credits, there is something. And they're getting some blowback about this, too. Hold the phone real quick. Can I complain about the credits for a second? Why there's seven minutes? Why there's seven minutes of credits every goddamn time? I know why that is. Because a certain runtime? No, well, I don't think it's that. Okay. So when they're how their credits roll. Okay. What um they roll the English language credits first, then they run the French, then they run the Spanish, then they run they run every national every language credits independently hmm. instead of lumping them all into one. Yeah. Um the only reason I know that is because after the first like during the first episode I started watching it. And I'm just like, I'm just going to fast forward through this just to see if there was there wasn't anything yeah. there. But I stopped about halfway through to see what it was, and it was like French credits mm. rolling. Okay. So that's what it is. It's the same thing every episode. So they're getting some blowback about why would you do this when you know the credits are all weird? Yeah. Because no one's watching their credits because it's seven minutes long. Well, it's, it's also it's also on a streaming service where you can just literally stop and watch the next episode or go watch something else yes. too. So so there's that. Well, but Mar- Marvel's you know Marvel's known for putting stuff at the end of the credits or somewhere in in, in the middle of them. That's yeah, kind no, of what they're I known for. I understand them doing it, but it's come on, man, <laughs> make it easy to find. Like it should it should say something at the end. It should just say continue watching or something. All so, right, well that's. Time. But I, I mean, I, I like it a lot. I think as it, far as the new as far as the newest episode, the 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 first interesting thing to happen, I think, happened in my opinion, happens in episode seven. You know, I mean, there's been nothing interesting so far. I mean, like, you know, the billion dollar cameo. What are we talking Uh, about? That wasn't interesting to you at all? No, it wasn't. Story wise, it was not. Of course it was. Okay, fine. But I'm the the problem with me personally, I mean, I was looking for the reason they cast Catherine Hahn, and now we finally know. So, I mean, that was the that was the last piece of the puzzle to me. Like, why did they cast her? Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. You don't you don't find the you know the Fox version of Quicksilver showing up different, or, you know, a revelation. I mean, I don't, but I mean, fine. I mean, it it was it was a little bit of a oh, that's kind of interesting. But well, that's big for what I mean. He's the first Fox for. character to hit yeah. the MCU. That's enormous. Officially, well, well, fine. But like, as far as interesting in the in the Marvel universe, as far as like, oh, that's an interesting story beat. Oh, no, I didn't it, think that it, was massive. Do you know how big Quicksilver is for like some? Yeah, of, like, I, I get it. I, I get it. You know okay, who fine. his dad is? <laughs> Do you know who his dad is? His dad? That's Magneto, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah right. Small detail. Yeah, I know. I, I I know a little bit. I know a little bit. So, well, I mean, so like, um, like you do know what villain he works with, then, right? At at some point. No, I I do not. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's there's some, some, it's a it's a big deal. There's some big stuff that could happen because of Quicksilver being allowed into the Marvel side of the universe now. So, like, if if you if anyone was thinking, just to touch on this point for a second, then we can go on. If anyone was thinking or curious or confused or worried about how they could go bigger than Thanos and the infinity and the infinity gauntlet, the fact that so that, that Quicksilver show, you know, is, is there and stuff still, that's a hint of what, what that could be. So it's, there's a good bit of like, like movement they can make now that can be bigger and bigger stuff. So it, it's a good thing. And it's a relief for people that like, were worried about like, you know, the next steps. Plus 
that and then the Fantastic Four stuff, you know, being a possibility, there's a lot of really big stuff that could happen, which is cool, which is exciting for people that are watching this for the little tidbits that Marvel is setting up through these shows. So, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. I think it's cool. I I will say I've spoken in weeks past about I, I'm not quite sure why they're bothering, but Episode 7, I think, does... As far as I mean, as far as my what what I want to see out of one division, it's the first time I'm like, okay, now I start to like really get it. As far as, and it takes a while to get. My whole thing is it takes seven episodes to get there. Yeah, what what is that? About two hours. Hmm. Is a runtime of an actual movie. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Uh, fair. I'll be mm. damned. I'll give you that. You were inconvenienced. <laughs> I really, I really did enjoy episode seven. There's, there's a lot that happens in it. Um, a lot more action than normal. I just, I, I really enjoyed episode seven. I will say that, Chris. I think you'll really love it too. Okay. Uh, I have a quick question, just on like it's while we're talking about this. And I know we do this a good bit on the show, but it's relevant to the movie stuff too. So, like, do you think that we with with Quicksilver and stuff at this point, and is there a chance that we could see like weird cross storylines of what Fox already did? No, and then brought in this way, I, or I do you, you, so. you think they'll just annex it all? Um, besides bringing the characters over without origin stories, mm-hmm. I don't think we'll get any okay. anything Fox was developed is probably smoke. Okay, I, I would except for, for I would say if it's the only way they get Hugh Jackman back, I say they do it, but they won't rewrite him. Yeah, if they yeah. bring him in, they're going to bring him in all the way. Gotcha. Uh, I'm. Who are we talking about? Deadpool. Oh, I was talking. I mean, yeah, that's that's conversation. But that's a, but that's I mean that's a, a very likely scenario given how popular the Deadpool movies are, though, isn't well, it? I, I don't think you heard me, but I, I I made the statement that I think Disney is afraid of Deadpool. Uh, I mean, I could I don't see know if why. They're afraid of it. I think they're they're afraid of it had to be something involved with Disney Plus because listen, Disney makes radar movies all the time. They just don't usually fly it under their own banner. Yeah, where they couldn't put the they couldn't do it without it you know what i mean well i mean i i a few weeks ago i did watch uh x-men origins wolverine on disney plus which has deadpool in it it is but it's only pg-13 yeah, yeah i mean that's yeah but that's true but i mean still it's also a um, rendition of deadpool but it's yeah, fine it sucks I, 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 I would say they do chris what you think they won't do i would say if it means getting hugh jackman back they will they will do no, some red 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 listen red no one loves hugh jackman and wolverine more than the guy right here <laughs> but he's not. I love Hugh Jackman. I mean, he's. I don't see anyone else's Wolverine now. I no, can't. Hugh Jackman I, is I refuse. Daddy. And I need him to come back as Wolverine, but it's not going to happen. Not he said no. He didn't say maybe. He yeah, said he said no. nope. The man doesn't want to be that ripped anymore. It's I too mean, hard. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's too hard. It's a lot of work to look this great. Jeez. All right. Well, I mean, as far as WandaVision is concerned, I'm I'm now on board. I got I got half my body on the train. The other the other half still kind of hanging off, but I'm on. It took me seven episodes to get half my body on, but I'm I'm on the train now. Good. All right. We are moving on. Let's talk. You guys talk about Judas and the Black Messiah or Nomadland. Talk about Nomadland first. I think it's that's my opinion. You guys make make all the big calls though. Well, Judas and the Black Messiah. Nomadland first is fine. I think using the Black Messiah probably is the bigger deal. But all right, let's talk about Nomadland then. Nomadland came out officially February nineteenth, twenty twenty one. Although it was released Hulu. earlier. I'm sorry, Hulu. so it's on Hulu. Yep, on Hulu and theatrical. Um, so Francis McDormand and David Strathairn are the two named people in this in this film of. And the other people that she meets are actual, I had to do a little digging, are actual 
nomads or actual nomads on the road. And so this is, she is Fern, uh, a woman who, whose life really fell apart after where she was empire Nevada, who, when it was famous for making sheetrock, which after it shut down, the town's population went from a thousand people to 200 people. Like in six months, that's ridiculous. In six months. Die. And the the zip code was it, the movie tells you the zip code was literally erased from maps, um, and then so in the same six months she lost her job, her town, her husband, uh, all of her money, everything. She just lost it, and she is um, like the name would suggest a nomad traveling around looking for a place where she belongs, always returning to do seasonal work for Amazon, which I thought was kind of interesting. That I think it's funny. It's a Hulu movie. And I was going to say. Like, I was going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say that it was interesting that she worked on Amazon, and then we go back to Amazon several times in this movie, but it's it's Hulu scooped this one up. I mean, I don't feel like it's a, it's an intentional shot at anything. I think it's just the way they want to go with it. Yeah, it's just a movie it's, was filmed that Amazon didn't want the rights to it. That's all. Yeah, there is some I, – I yeah, so Empire Nevada does really exist. And it's, did really exist. Yeah, sorry, did really <laughs> exist. Um, but it, it has history. Uh, the Wikipedia isn't law. I'm not going to read it. But it has history from 1923 all the way up to 2010. So yeah, if you're interested, when it, when it died. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it does have pictures of downtown Empire, and the entire downtown Empire fits in one frame of a picture. Yeah, which I thought was kind of funny. But uh, so th- here's the thing about um, excuse me of no man no man land. This is you're basically watching a poem unfold. Uh, with how it's shot, the cinematography is beautiful. The score That's is beautiful. Like that, um, and it's I needed more than that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> directed by Chloe Zhao, who is kind of known for, for for this. But the interesting and this movie, and you know, we 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 mentioned before we started shooting, you guys thought this movie was a little slower. Yeah, because it is. <laughs> Might be a little bit of an understatement. Slower. Um, Chris, I Chris was not. Not 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 loving this. No. <laughs> I was I was pretty much I was captivated the entire time, which I'll, I'll find it usually by these kind of movies I'm not, but this one did have me completely captivated, uh, and it's as I've talked about before. We talked about um, you know Ed Harris having to sell a certain scene in in, in Kodachrome and how he does, it. and this movie is carried completely by Francis McDormand and. There are not. I mean, you could probably count on one hand how many how many lead actresses in Hollywood can do this. Well, I mean, she's really good. Yeah, no, she's fantastic. But I mean, there are not that many people in the world who could have pulled this off the way that she did. Is my point. Um, she sells everything, every look, every every emotion. You know, she sells it, and she sells it with her face, her her her, her body, and she does it so well. And it's. <laughs> I understand what all the what all the hoopla about No Man Land was about. I mean, I've I've heard nothing but good things about it, and I mean, it's getting like ninety four on on you know like meta like meta score. So like I was like, what is this movie? So I finally watched it. And I finally understand it. But I'm just going to talk accolades on it. Let's talk about some of the things that you guys thought was a little slower. Then what what you guys think was a little slower, or or maybe could have moved along faster. Than, than well, most of, most of the movie is pretty slow paced. Now, I don't think it's as bad of a thing as I think Chris does. Um, but what what I thought flowed really well is when they're when they're actually talking to the people that live that life. Like that to me was actually interesting. But watching her, you know, like make macaroni and cheese and shiver in her van, 
Like I get it. She lives in her van. That's the point of this whole story, right? Like I don't, I don't understand why we had such extended shots in it because it's not to build drama. Like there's never any real danger of anything. But like, I don't, I'm not saying this movie is bad. I liked it. It's it's interesting to me. But man, it is incredibly boring at a couple of spots. Incredibly so to me. Isn't this? It movie, is. It isn't is. This movie kind of like when you know Bear Girls has his cameraman with him the whole time, the guy that does Survivor Man's by himself. You know, isn't that the difference in this? Like, and what would make it a better product? Because, like you said, there's never, there's no, there's never any actual like danger. You know what I mean? Because she's obviously being filmed. It's it, it's being fabricated for most of this. But then there's those really natural moments where she's talking to these people, mm-hmm. right? So, I I don't like it when 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 movies do this mixing thing. I think you do one or the other. This could have been a really good, just a really beautifully caught like almost docu like docu it's almost a documentary it almost Almost. is but it's not and like the the adding in the you know the the fabrication side of things i don't say that as in a bad way i understand why why they did it but like to add that in there i feel like almost takes away from what the actual like things that these people are going through i can understand that now they're trying to mimic it and you know you can say this this is a serious form of flattery and all that kind of stuff but at the same time it almost feels cheap to me and once again, not a knock on anything. It's just personally, I thought it took away from it and made it to where like, I just wanted to see, you know, more of the, of, of like the interview stuff and talking to these people and not see her faking this whole thing. Like, I don't know. It, it just, it took it away from me. I, I, Chris, I agree with you 100%. And one of the things that took me out of this because they did choose to blend like a completely narrative scripted movie with real people mm-hmm. giving you real stories was, and I, I don't, it's a weird thing, but as soon as I saw David Strathorn, like that took me out of it too, because how real can it be if there's another actor? You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's, a, she's an actor, but it's different because she's also the title. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she's the one that's this whole thing is based around that's Francis McDormand. But when you see other actors, it kind is that weird to say that that kind of removed me from the experience? Yeah. I mean, I know what you mean, but I don't know if it changes the overall tone of the movie for me or not. I think that's just kind of the risk they run, though, by do, by by making this move, though. And I, I don't know. It, it it almost feels like this was supposed to be like a docu thing, and then they decided to you know to go back and shoot this because they could. I don't know. It would just it just seems weird to me. And I don't know. It, it didn't help that I thought that all her stuff was really boring, like you said, <laughs> shivering her van and making her mac and cheese. I didn't need all that. But a lot of that, I think, was like so. I mean, a lot of the the point of, I mean, the point of it is like a lot of it's like self imposed, of mm-hmm. how she couldn't and how she can't quite cope with the life she had and lost and wants back. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole point of these other people telling you the same, the same. I mean, I'm, I'm using this word. I'm not. I, I don't mean to call to label it this, but the same depressing stories is you know like everyone lost something. Everyone living yeah. that life is living that life for a reason. Sure. Some you know, of them good, like, some of them because of loss and stuff like that. But one thing that I, I want to bring up along that line is for a while, she gets chided by some people for not taking van, like her situation as serious as she should have. Now, like, I don't know if that's a story driven thing or just what they tell new people to that lifestyle or whatever. Oh, you mean like, swanky? Yeah, like, well, I mean, yeah, when she's like busting on her for like not taking as good of a care of her van is because it's not just your car. Yeah. It's your home. 
And, you know, she makes it a point to like, hey, you got to sand out these rust spots. You got to touch them up. You know, that way this stuff lasts. Like they're teaching how to change a tire or how to plug a tire. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a that's a big deal. So, I mean, that's interesting. I think they have those things in real life. But I don't know if that's as wonderful as a story as some people are making it out to be. Like, I see why people like this movie. I really, truly do. I have a hard time when people are like, hey, I think this is a Best Picture nominee. I, I don't feel like there's a movie here. You know, like you put it a good thing, like it's almost a documentary. Yeah, it's almost a documentary. And that's that's about as far as it can be. Uh, one other thing, though, is what does this cost? $55 to shoot this? <laughs> <laughs> You think? Just about. They, yeah. gave, they, gave, no, they, they strapped a camera rig on one dude's shoulder and just followed her around. Yeah. Like that's that's it. Mounted yep. a mounted a GoPro up in the corner of the van <laughs> for when she's driving. Like, there's no way this could have cost a lot of money besides yeah. Francis McDormand. And listen, I honestly think she's spectacular um, because she's great in everything. Like you ever watch Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri? One of the best movies I've ever seen, and she's the focal point of that movie. It just this just does not entertain me. The way some people act like it's amazing. And I, I, I don't get it. It's just maybe it's just not for me. And I try to really have an open mind since I've been on this show. So I watch more movies than I ever have before in whole different types. But I'll be honest, if I wasn't on this show, I probably never would have watched Nomad. And I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Is that is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I mean, in 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 the same way that I mean, I won't watch. I probably. I mean, I'll watch Mank again once more with my father, but I won't watch it again. Like I'll just sit. Oh, Mank's on. I'll watch that. You know, it's the same way. But I I just I think in the same way. So I, 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 I an earlier ex example would of like this kind of thing would be uh, the New World with Colin Farrell and the the Terrence Malick telling of the of the the Europeans going to Jamestown. Like that's to to me is like that same, like when I was younger, I was like, just tell this fucking story. Why are you making it out to be this long, like almost like a film student? Like here's a tree, here's a sound. You know, like it's just one of those things. Like and then like as I got older and more refined in my film things, like I understood and and really kind of, um, really appreciated what Terrence Malick was doing well, with appreciating that Appreciating something and understanding it does not make it more entertaining. Well, no, it it, it doesn't. But like to me, that's a. 17-year-old or 20-year-old Grayson when in 2005 when I saw New World and when, when I saw this movie I, I would have thought the exact same thing as I thought with New World is why not just tell the story why make it artsy but like now I I mean I get because to me this and and, and I said it on my I, I said it before but this movie is poetry and what I mean by that is you're seeing this wonderful you know story painted with great cinematography and a, and a powerful score it almost those two things are, are are leaned upon and almost drive the narrative as much as Francis McDormand. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about things that I thought dragged, I mean, some things that I thought, well, maybe the movie could have done a little differently to, to earn a perfect score would have been the the David Strathairn character. I'm not quite sure should have been in the movie. I don't understand what most of the interactions between them was supposed to signify. Because it didn't. I mean, because obviously they set up like there might be some chemistry or something there, but they never do anything. But like, have weird conversations with babies. But he does get her to go back to civilization, even for a brief moment. But then there's you're right though. It 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 leads up and then plateaus to nothing. You know, that's why I don't. 
I mean, the director's obviously saying something by having her leave again, like because her, she's literally out in the desert, and then she to visit him, she goes into society. You know, she's walking through the neighborhood, and she's where houses are again, and she's where people are, and you know, civilization and stores and money and stuff like that. Uh, you know, food you buy, not just <laughs> food you have. But I mean, and then she's there for a few days, and then she leaves again, and then she and we don't hear from him again. And he's gone. Yeah, I mean, but like he represents the other. You know, I mean, the whole thing she's struggling with is the life she had. She loved her husband, but she wasn't. She felt guilty because it wasn't the life she wanted, but it's the life she built with him. So then, like, she sees, she finds the other guy that maybe this could be her second chance. Maybe it's redemption. Maybe it's not. And then she chooses to not go with redemption, which I thought was an interesting touch at the end, especially when she walks through the the very house she used to live in. You know, and the, and, and the way yeah. it's framed, where like the camera at the last shot where she's walking out of the backyard and then like the camera starts in the kitchen and then like it slowly tracks through the back door and then you're out in the wilderness and there's no more house anymore. Is it wrong that I wondered why she just doesn't live in her old house? Like, right? Honestly? Well, I mean, you, you don't need bills to pay. <laughs> right? But you also don't have any, I mean, you wouldn't have any power. You wouldn't have any electricity. Should, should they go on out? Have power now. But she has the van that runs and heats. And... She, she would still have the van. That's true, I guess. I'm done. Um, well, yeah, I mean, like, I legitimately thought about it. Like, is she just going to go squat in her old house and be like, because I get it. You know, at least that makes sense, right? Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was a really interesting thing, too, to walk through the old abandoned town. Um, and, I mean, there's well, that's no... That's I mean, actually. But, again, though, that's more documentary than movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where, the, that's where the, you know, the super artsy part really kicked in was, like, you know, I mean, I just... That's the part that I'm kind of like, it almost loses me. But then, I, I mean, I, I understand where it was going and, and, and the buildup. And that could have been a creative decision to put it there so you don't quite lose, you know, the graces of the world when you get there. But I know I thought that was a fine choice. I thought that was we, – we, we didn't spend much time in civilization in either the, the abandoned town or the, or the town she goes to to, to to visit her friend and, you know, her, his, his son's new baby. We don't spend time in either place very long. Nope. Which is what exactly what a nomad does. So I, mean, I kind of, I kind of, I appreciated that, and I get that how we never spent too much time in one place in the movie. Well, one thing that I really appreciated is probably what I appreciated more than just about the rest of the movie. Honestly, is about how it all circles back to her starting that cycle over again. You know, like she started going back through doing the same thing that she did the previous year, but doing it better and that sort of stuff because she's adapting to that lifestyle. At least that part I understand. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the stuff in this movie, I'm just like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Um, is there anything any, either one of you guys absolutely hated about this movie? It's not, I've never really hated, but there's a lot of stuff I'm just like, I don't, it's just boring. Yeah, I hated that it was boring. Well, you can't hate it, but you can't hate the boring part. <laughs> <laughs> it can just be boring. Don't tell me how it feels, sir. <laughs> But I mean, it, this this movie it is, is low at some point. I mean, incredibly so. I, I mean, but at this least also it was two hours long. That's true. Thank Christ, that's true. <laughs> it was an hour forty five. It was close, but um, I mean, it's just one of those movies that it's just it takes a practiced hand to make, and it might seem like it doesn't, but it really does. So to and integrate all the different elements that come together to make, excuse me, to make it what it was, it does take a very practiced hand to do that, which is a completely you know, shout out to the director who did a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, the things I love, I absolutely love the score. I don't know if the score stuck with you guys at all, but I, I was moved. I was in the moment when the score, I mean, I was just, 
And I even looked it up on my phone, like it's on Spotify. And I listened to it for after that too. Like it's what I, I love it. I love that score. Nah. I'm guessing you guys didn't feel as strongly about it as I did. Uh, I, I think the movie lost me too too early to pull me back in with the score. I mean, I I understand that, and I and I know it's like it's not a Hollywood film in the sorts of like there's a good guy and a bad guy, very very well defined, and there's action. I get that. It's a different kind than we're used to. Plot twist: everybody's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist: everyone's Spider Man. Um, it's just one of those movies. That I guess it just hit me at the right time. I mean, I can see myself watching this a certain time of year and like, why? But just, I guess it just got. I mean, we we've had so much bad lately that this just stood out. I don't think this is bad. I just don't think it's very good, which is a difference. No, I, I agree with you. And I think what I was about to say was, if you had watched this amidst, you know, like three or four weeks of excellent films, this may not have stood out to me so well. But we haven't had a lot of great lately so to talk no. about so maybe that's why it stood out is it, it, it is good but it's also slow you know it's also you know paced at a much slower pace than we're used to so i i can understand why chris felt like the way he did i mean i please don't think i don't i just maybe i just appreciated it more being an artsy film film type thanks for validating me bro you're welcome bro <laughs> bruh bruh all bruh. right so let's rate this bad boy i'll go first so all right, so, right into it. So this is a three point five for me. Dang! Um, oh my goodness! Three point five. This I'm never gonna watch this again. This movie is, I mean, this movie is pretty. This movie tells an interesting story, but it's just a documentary and a really nice bow. It just needs to be a documentary. I think this is not a a fun movie to watch, or interesting. Or interesting, even. Dang. Damn, not, not man. Not as a movie. Okay. But if they label this as a documentary, if it, it, if, and, and if they shoot it fully as a documentary, I'm in. All right. Keep in mind, I want you to remember the score when we talk about Mortal Kombat. All right. I will. Which, what if, I mean, well, I have a feeling that Mortal Kombat will be more entertaining overall in this. Of course it will. <laughs> but, like, but like, entertaining is, a, is also one of those... You know, very varying in definition words when it comes. Yeah, but to entertainment matters. I can understand when something looks pretty and is very artsy and you know critical acclaim. It could be boring as hell. And if a movie is boring, I don't care how pretty it looks, <laughs> because I'd rather have a movie not look so pretty and entertain me. And I mean that seriously. Mm-hmm. Which leads right into why I think this movie is a definition of a five. I mean, I understand why people like this. Movie. Oh man, I get it. Well, listen. I don't know what you're going to rate this movie, but I want you to understand what you've rated above a seven recently. Mank. (laughs) And that you didn't exactly praise. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I get why people like this movie. This movie is not for me. Like Mank wasn't for me. Um, I don't know who these movies are made for besides critical acclaim. And I don't know what that means in Hollywood anymore. Um, if people like it, that's great. Go ahead, like your movie. I don't. And if somebody asks me what I think about, I'll tell them the truth. I think this movie is boring, and that's as damning as it can be. That's, so. that's look. That's a fair, you know. That's a fair analysis. And I, I mean, both your analysis. As long as you stand behind what you said to arrive at the rating you gave it, then I mean, I, I got no beef with you. As well, long I can easily state that I will never watch Nomadland again. Because I probably um, won't. To, so to me, Nomadland's a nine. Oh my god! What? I, Listen, know, I know. I, I want, before you say why you gave it a nine, 
nothing you have said up to this point has indicated you like this movie much at all. I was ready for you to say like seven, seven. No, no, I. I'm talking about this movie as poetry. You don't think it's me accolading it, giving it accolades? Listen, when you say things are poetry, I want you to understand when I was in, uh, when I was in ninth grade, <laughs> I was a published poet. So that doesn't matter to me at all. YouTube, bro? Yeah. What's up? <laughs> yeah. Poet and you don't know it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember the old one. That's great. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we're going the other way. So here's here's the nine. Poetry slinging badass. Here's the nine. Okay, so. Yeah, give it to us. We're very lucky this week because we're talking about two movies that have extremely powerful performances from at least one person in, in, in each movie. I mean, there's only three people in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, think no, that's a statement. Yeah, but so Frances McDormand, I think, uh, she gives well, the performance. Great. Yeah, no, she's above reproach in this one. I mean, she is the best. I think she is the best performance of 2021 so far. I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but it just it blew me away what she was able to do. I mean, what the movie did by, you know, for instance, like taking the camera through people's vans with their homes, different you see different homes, using the camera as like a window to, to the worlds that we're seeing, not so much as like, here's a story you're telling, but they, she she used it as kind of like like an old like the the Ford old Western is is made. He used it as a window to view instead of this is the frame you're looking at. You know, it's it's just to me it's it's different than watching you know a, a Marvel movie than watching this as far as using the camera to do certain things. It's just very different to me. I understand there's two different movies. Don't make a joke about that. But you know what I'm trying to say is using the camera for different types of things is just it's just. This movie does it so well, as far as I'm concerned. The score, it's phenomenal. It, it, it helps the movie just... I think it eases the movie transition into some of those boring parts that you guys... And, and even I would agree is you know sometimes a little long in the tooth, but... You don't think it's that long. You gave it a nine. No, I mean... I, but I mean, you can't some say of the movie scenes, is boring and then give it a nine out of ten. Some of the, some of the scenes, I think, go on a little longer than, than, than they should. But overall, I think it's... This, this so far... This is the movie of 2021 to be for, and at least in my eyes, this is the one to be. Although I think it officially came out in 2020, so it's not up for any. It'll be everything it's up for is up for already in the coming. But well, so far, this is the good, movie to be. Good thing 2021 is only less than two months in. Why is that a good uh, thing? This counts as 2020. No, because yeah, it's no, be yeah. for everything for 2020. Oh. Well, so I understand why people are going to like this movie, and I just I don't get it. And I, I'm sorry, you're you're nine. Doesn't convince me. Like, right, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to. It has to convince I, me. I, but again, though, I want I want to clarify why I think entertainment matters in movies like these. Is for the same reason you gave it a nine, you gave the Joker a seven. And if you think that this movie is more entertaining than that, I will never watch another movie again in my life. It all, it all no, 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 no. I don't. It's okay, again, one because that's no. the one he's so far off base of. Okay, okay, guys, calm down for one second. No, listen to what I have to say. <laughs> this is this is Joker is absolutely a more of an entertaining movie than Nomadland. I mean, I think you're going to get ten out of ten people say that. But as far as what it's doing, what it's accomplishing, I think this is the better movie by far, by at least two points. As I gave Joker a seven. Yeah. I mean. This isn't far behind Little Women for me. This isn't far behind any of those tens we gave that two years Little ago. Little Women is a nine or a ten, and I won't argue with you on that. 
yeah, I mean, definitely better than this. This better movie's story, not far. This photography better score. Everything. This isn't far behind Four V Ferrari. It's not far behind any of those movies that like for for like a two month stint we gave like five movies tens. You know to. why it's you know why it's far behind them because those movies are entertaining, and that matters. And that it does really does matter. It does matter it because those are black and white. It'd have been a ten for him. It might have been a ten. <laughs> no, stop! I'm putting words in my mouth. Come on. Um, do you bring up? The, I mean, look, the Joker argument is a legitimate argument. I'll give you that. Um, and that's where I sat with it. And that's still where I sat with, sit with the Joker. If I watched it, I mean, if I would talk about it again critically, I would say it still belongs at a seven. I think. I don't think the Joker was. I mean, I mean, I don't think the Joker. The Joker was the Dark Knight of that year. Like everyone just. No, the Joker was the Joker of that year. Because well, the you remember when, any one of those movies. The I would probably say you're you're right about that. Right. Um, but you remember when Dark Knight came out, everyone's like, that's it, best picture, Dark Knight, hands down. I'm like, uh I, yeah, but, yeah, but you you like Batman uh begins more than that though. True. More than the dark I, I, I do I think Batman Begins is the better movie than Dark Knight. I but I mean and don't say one of us is right and one of us is you. I, don't say that. It's not. Words in my mouth. I'm the one that says that one. <laughs> I, I know, but I was saying don't say that because I was talking to both of you. I can't tell who's looking at the mic and who's not. But, um, fine, but I mean, when when Oscar time comes and this wins three Oscars, and we'll talk about my nine again. It depends on which three that it wins. Because listen, if this movie wins cinematography, that doesn't validate your nine to me in any capacity. And if Frances McDormand wins something, she's great in this movie. I agree to that. But if this movie wins Best Picture, that's a fucking joke. And I mean that seriously. I mean, I, I would have... <laughs> you know, I, never mind. Someone in my office the other day said... someone also, so One of the office PAs, very passionate about films, too. And then he's talking. he was talking about... Uh, he, on Hulu? he was talking about no he's talking about another film that's up for best picture one of the one of the films up for best picture and then he said he's like that movie is just that deserves the best picture and then and then he made a joke and saying but someone's gonna make a movie about someone living in someone else's house and then, then that's just gonna sweep the sweep the oscars and win it win everything as as a joke he made it as a joke because you know i feel the same way about what won last year that, that you do, do you think this movie's man. better than promising young woman do you think Frances McDormand is better than Carrie Mulligan? I do, but only marginally. Ooh, okay, but only what marginally. Did you rank promising young woman. I think I gave it an eight and a half. Ooh. All right. Um, yeah, promising young woman is also another good one. This is a you good think year for. He's better than Trial Chicago Seven. <sighs> oh. <laughs> Quick this answer. Side by. I just remind you, you are recording right. I know, of course I am. I know I'm probably what I say. <laughs> On the the quick answer, yes. Side by side analysis. If I watch them both and sit down with them for a few hours, I don't know if that's still a yes. But right now, it's still a yes. Oh, this isn't even the same realm of Chicago Seven to me. All right, well that you know that's such your thing. And, and Chicago Seven's up for a Best Picture for Gold Globe, so we'll sure see. Sure is. So we'll see. I mean. Don't worry, they're all fucking Palm Springs. <laughs> Boy, Palm Springs is, is, is deserves that Oscar more, or that 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 um that award more than most. But that's a hell of a movie. All right, so let's move on. That that's got to be one of the biggest divides. The lowest score to the highest, three and a half to nine, has got to be one. Got to be the biggest divide on the show so far. I mean, three different perspectives. Don't get me wrong. I you know I can see how that could happen. It's just this is finally one of the movies that that did it. Yeah. Inter- okay. Interesting. 
Interesting. So let's move on to another movie that might be a little divisive, at least with us, is Judas and the Black Messiah. Again, another movie that absolutely wants to win awards. Judas and the Black Messiah came out February 12th, February 12th, 2021, uh, HBO Max and theatrical day and date. So you can watch it wherever. Most people, I'm sure, decided. I mean, judging by the box office, most people decided to watch it at, at home. So I hope HBO has found some way to quantify or make that into, into dollar signs for them. But Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, uh, Martin Sheen, uh, they're wonderful cast. And one thing I will say, Daniel Kaluuya is, he's like Francis McDormand, just on fire in this movie. Oh, just, he kills it. Oh my, kills it is an understatement. I don't know how to say it. I mean, he is phenomenal in this movie. Like he just, he's, I'm entranced. But when he was talking, I just found myself entranced by what he was saying. Kind of like Morgan Freeman talking or that guy from Allstate. What's that guy's name? He's in a couple different films. Um, you know, the, you, when when they talk, you just listen. And when he was talking, I was yeah. just like, I I, my mouth was just open. And like, I was just like, okay, I'm going to fight for the Black Panthers. Done. Like, it just, I was just, he's so good at what he does, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, all right, Roger, why don't you take, take us home? Tell us what, a little bit about what this movie's about. So, I mean, this is a, um, a mostly true story of the story of um, the chairman of the Black Panther Party of Illinois um, and how everything comes down between his rift and his own group, other other like basically quantify him as a gang um, and the story of basically almost a full year of his life, uh, the last year of his life and how everything shakes out between fighting with the cops and ended up in prison and um, you know, ended up with his lady friend and all that sort of stuff. And it's, um, and the, the real, the real side of it is there's two stars of this movie. One is Daniel Kaluuya. And, uh, the other one is Lakeith Stanfield who plays the undercover CI. Judas, as the title would suggest. As Judas would suggest. A wild bill. (laughs) Wild bill. Wild bill. So, I mean, this, um, but this movie is complete star power too. Like hundred percent. Some and they the best performers I mean, in Hollywood. Yeah, these these are good. This is good. I like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think uh, I think the one thing that I'll have to say about this movie, I don't think this movie this movie is not going to be for everybody. <laughs> That's true. Um, I can see that mostly because it's going to hit home for a lot of folks, and especially in twenty twenty one. Yeah, America. Uh, That's just you know. What's funny is though is during this movie they reference you know the trial of Chicago Seven and mm-hmm. things like that actual stuff that was going on in uh, what roughly 1968 or so in you know Northern Illinois. So, which I appreciate. You know, I I appreciate you know that well, kind it's, of it's supposed to be real historical uh, references. Hard time for them trying to get us to believe that this man is 21 years old. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit like Gary Oldman and Mank. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so when the, ed, the end of this movie, you get you get some uh, some deposition dropped on you uh, via you know text on your screen. Yep. And as soon as they said twenty one years old, I was like, "What? Yeah. No way! Crazy! Yep. A little bit nutty, but it's yeah. all right. I do love the sideburns. I see oh, I know. Strong. Strong. Hundred percent. Everybody's yeah. powerful. I'm thinking about growing them out now, actually. Are you? Shave the beard off and just don't shave there. Sideburns are already there, buddy. Build right in. I got this. Built right in. You're gonna have sideburns like um, Wolverine. I'm gonna go full mutton chops eventually. Yeah, I think. All right. So you know what you do is you just shave the chin, mm. leave everything else. That's, yeah. that's like Civil War general. 
powerful statement to be made. So, but no, um, I, I think this movie uh, plays a, a fine line between like basically a crime drama and like a um, a retelling of this gentleman's life. So, I think that's pretty neat because you do it is basically two stories that are blended into one story, and I I think it works pretty well. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting the people that because there's so many different angles here that creatively they they committed to one to make the you know the main plot and then everything else just kind of falls you know the side plots. But I mean, it's the one they commit to I thought was an interesting choice creatively um, because I mean the the name Judas and the Black Messiah. You obviously going into it, you saying well someone's the Black Messiah, someone's the Judas, and the characters we spend a lot of time with. <laughs> Are obviously Black Messiah and Judas, but I mean, some of the other stories that they come come down here, they they are interwoven so intricately with the with those stories that almost are main characters them, them, them themselves. Um, and I mean, like, I kind of thought the the headquarter, just as an example, the the headquarter building that they all are in, it gets burned down, then they kind of re, re, rebuild. That's mm-hmm. almost. Would you guys consider that a character too? No, nah, I mean, I, I know the point that you're making. I wouldn't say it's so much as a character. But, I mean, I think if you classify that as a character, you classify the entire group that's there as the character. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that more? Right. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's definitely fair. So, I mean, you'd be can, you'd be classifying the, the whole pa- the Black Panthers as unit as a character. Yeah. A separate, a, a separate from the chairman and uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I can get behind that. Sure. Bill O'Neill. And I, I love the real testimonies we have that if you'll I, I love how they they had in the beginning. You should watch to the end of this movie. <laughs> the in the beginning they have Lakeith Stanfield sitting in as Bill O'Neill. Well, I mean, he's playing Bill O'Neill. Yeah. And then and then in the end of the film, it's actual Bill O'Neill, the actual interview, which they did a great job replicating that at an interview, you know, what whatever's yeah. in the frame, how it looks. I mean, great job for that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> great, great realism there. Um and I just really loved how they did that. You know, the whole the whole dichotomy between Fred Hampton and Bill O'Neill. Um, you know, I as a as a departed story, I'm glad that it went the way that it did. I'm glad we followed who we followed. Because it means something. You know, I mean, and there's the and there's the the super Hollywood telling versus the the more independent, you know, kind of less blockbustery story telling of this. You know what I mean? There's a good story to be told here. Yeah. I agree. Or at least an interesting one. I agree. 100%. Entertaining one, even. Yeah. Uh, do you guys love how they in the beginning how he almost gets away with in the opening minutes of the film he he goes in there pretending to be an, an FBI agent almost gets away with that guy's car with his Humphrey Bogart looking jacket. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my god, that guy tries to stab him through the roof. <laughs> yeah, right. I got the nuts. <laughs> and he gets him. He he gets him. And then I mean, the that interview he has with um. Jesse Plemons character of Roy Mitchell when he has in the interrogation room of, and this is in the trailer, so it's not really spoiling anything, but Roy Mitchell says, you're going to go away for seven years or you can go home tonight and then work for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, is, is there really a decision there? No, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I do wonder though, at some point, you know, there's a couple of a situation that comes down where he's like basically screaming at him through a payphone. Mm-hmm. He's like, I should just disappear. God, done. Done. Yeah. Like you'd never find like oh, in the yeah. in the early or late sixties, if somebody left, you'd never find them. No, right? and, and well, and like like he makes the point of saying, you know, you know, I'll you know, I'll hunt you down. No, he's not. 
You know what I mean? He, no, you're going to find somebody else and flip them too. Yeah. Like, it, that's what he's going to do. He's just an asset that he'll lose. It's not like mm-hmm. he's going to go out of his way to, to make sure he gets locked up. He'll be a fugitive the rest of his life. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, nothing to, you know, that guy's not coming for him. No, not at all. But it might feel like your world's crashing down that way, though, in that situation at the same time. But, I mean, he is paying him well. And I think that's one of the things that makes him well, stay. Well, that's the thing that makes it stick around. It's interesting yeah. to see the number that they throw out at the end and how much money he would have paid oh, him. Like, God, that's, yeah. I mean, that's enormous that's, money. That's not a little bit of money. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's an enormous amount, especially for that time frame. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. I mean, they gave him a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, so I thought, I thought they were giving him the car back. The original car. I was I like, thought, oh, that's tough. You know, here's your big payout, buddy. Thanks. Here you go. Like, oh, man. This has been in an impound lot for seven years or whatever. But, no, nah, like, you know, it was like, it's a gas station. It's real money. Legal money. I was like, damn. That's that's a that's he, a good gift. Yeah. It's good. He's still working, but damn. Right. His, let me ask you something. Who were you guys, during the movie, who were you guys siding with as far as, care, like, I don't know for. if I sided with anybody. They did a good job of make of making you kind of like I don't know keeping you keeping you neutral. Well, not neutral so much as rooting for every you know for for both sides you know for, for for both teams and not the whole team right like you're you're rooting you're rooting for Judas and you're rooting for uh for what is this? Fra- Fred Fra- Fred how I want to say Frank Fred Parker yeah so but like like you're kind of want you kind of want Judas to get out you know and get out safely you yeah. know but you also you also don't want it to come at at, at Fred's expense. Like you don't want right. That. Yeah, you don't want to do. They don't want to. You don't want them to be burning each other. Yeah. Well, I, I love the I love the the part of the angle of the story that they told. Fred Hampton is, you know, he's always preaching. You know, the vi- violence and gunfiring is the last. Absolutely, there's no other option. And no, and I love how they kind of made that character. They chose, I mean, creatively to make him you know, very anti-war, anti-everything. So it kind of did, like, I wanted Judas to get I wanted Lakeith Stanfield, Bill O'Neill to get out of it. But I also, like, damn, that other guy's, like, a great dude. Like, I don't want this cause to, you know, fail either. So you're, you're right, Chris, in the way that they, they did kind of do a good job of keeping you on both sides of the fence. Yeah. You ever, I thought you that ever was pretty interesting. There's always been something that I've heard many, many times of, like, leaders are born. Like, there are born leaders. Fred Parker is a born leader. Yeah, Fred Hampton. When you, yeah, yeah, Fred. Yeah, does say Parker. Yeah, Fred Hampton. Yeah. yeah, when he walks into the, um, when they form the Rainbow Coalition, okay, when yeah. he walks into the white neighborhood mm-hmm. with a big old rebel flag hanging up on the back wall, and the one guy looks up, he's like, "Holy shit, you're Fred Hampton!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Yeah," and he just starts talking. Mm-hmm. And listen, he shouldn't be there. Like, this is not his demographic, yeah. right? Like, these are a bunch of hillbillies, you know, I guess the upper Chicago hillbillies. But, like, you know, they're, they're you know, praising, you're hating the cops too, just like, um, just like they are. And he unites these people under one banner. And then he goes and collects the Puerto Rican gang folks and gets everybody together. Mm-hmm. Like, just knowing that that really happened in real life, that is impressive. Yeah. To mobilize also shows you how shitty the police were. <laughs> yep. You know, when everybody hates, the, you know, everybody doesn't have to get along with everybody, but everybody hates you, it's your fault. <laughs> so, like I get that. Especially the especially with how the film ends. I don't want to go into too much detail, but if, if, you, if you know what happened, you know, historically there, it's almost as if, if there's a villain in this film, it's almost the 
the police force. It is definitely. Yeah, that yeah. Is, that's the thing. Is that like is the, that is the villain. I I love how like in, in in films like when the police are involved, we're almost always sided with the police because you know law and order is something that's supposed to be upheld. But you know the police break the laws several times in this movie, and then then they, and yeah. they make it a point to tell you, you know, like the police keep breaking. I mean, for instance, when Fred says why he doesn't drive anymore is because he keeps getting pulled over for the stupidest charges. Yep. You know, he's going the speed limit. He's obeying all the traffic laws, everything. Like, and mm. then, you know, there's a couple different times in the film. We're like, wow, damn, I get the police force really is the, the, the villain here, which I kind of, that's, I mean, Fred gets sentenced to two to five years in prison for ale- allegedly stealing $70 worth of ice cream. Yep. <laughs> so allegedly. And then when the police come in and they try and the, the Panthers get almost to violence, he's like, no, no, no stand down this you know this is not the time to do this and then i just they do a good Very job smart. here shaka king the, the, the director made so many good creative decisions here as far as the as far as the angles to tell the story through which to tell the story i it's almost a triumph for the director shaka shaka king is he's got my vote for whatever he's going to make next i'm definitely going to be there for it is what i'm trying to say in such long-winded fashion sure cool um what are some other things you guys loved about this movie? Well, so let me ask you a question. So we talked about the police force being the villain. Do you think Jesse Plemons' character is a villain in this? Well, you see... Or is he just taking advantage of his situation? Can he be an anti-hero? He's almost too much of a villain to be a, to be an anti-hero. Yeah, I, I, I would agree just with what you just said. too far past that line. But he's not quite... Bad enough to be a bad guy. Yeah, I, I, it, it is a weird when spot. He's, when he's definitely in. not neutral. No, yeah. Well, because there's there's moments you're like, all right, all right. But then there's moments you hate him. Yeah. And then there's moments you feel for him because he, you can see that he's in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man. He really is just trying to do what he's trying to do. Yep. So it's, I don't know. His character is a, a mixed bag for me. So. Well, you, you also have to consider the time, too, in which this was. Does. A very interesting 100%. character. Well, you also have to consider the time. I mean, I mean, historically, when this takes place, obviously sure. it's a big, you know, the civil rights movement have, have happening. You know, uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Um, you know, we we just watched the movie what two weeks ago, um, One Night in Miami, mm-hmm. where a lot of the same stuff was being discussed. I mean, that's Absolutely. more of a fictional retelling because those people never got together in one of those rooms. But I mean, it's it's all about the same the same period in American history. Yep. Um, where I was going with that is it's. Yeah, the Plemons character is one I wanted to linger on only because that's again another one where, you know, I didn't quite have strong feelings for either way, whether I really hated him or I really liked him. As far as the character is concerned, I mean, they do such a good. Shaka King does such a good job with keeping everyone neutral in this, um, except for of course you know the police force, which I hated most of the other cops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because I mean. They're just shit like bags, they're sitting but... outside the, the, the headquarters just drinking mm-hmm. and just like loading their guns. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. Like that's that's a crazy scene. Yeah, that whole police shootout part was I don't know, that was tough because because you know what happened before that, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's wrong that you know that they lost one of their own to them. It doesn't matter what happened to everybody else and why they were there and why that happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then that whole the whole shootout scene was just damn. This is this sucks. And then, then they burn it down on top of it. Yeah, and they build it back up though. Oh yeah, yep. And that's actually what really unifies a lot of which is well, which is a, really pushes the party forward. Which is a call back to the whole leadership thing. That's right. Earlier, yeah, that's right. 
You know what? You know what I didn't watch that the, the, the movie talks about is that documentary Eyes on the Prize Two. Yeah, I've never seen, never heard of that before. I yeah. may have to because they, they said that was aired on PBS. So I may have to go back and see. Luther King Day, nineteen ninety. Yeah, I may have to go. I want, I want to check that out. If, if, I mean, if I guess that speaks highly of the movie. If it makes me want to go back and check out something from nineteen ninety on oh, yeah. PBS, I definitely want to see. I guess I definitely want to try to kind of get more of the because it's interesting. I thought Bill O'Neill telling the story. Sorry, maybe I said his name wrong. Yeah, no, you're right. Is it? Yeah, Bill O'Neill telling the story of what happened. Especially when you learn what happens to Bill O'Neill when the credits, when you're they're telling you right before the film really ends, um, it's it's kind of like a he's got no reason to not just bear everything out there the way it was. Mm-hmm. I'm he, he, for a true story. I mean, he, yeah. he he he'd obviously made his decision before he gave the interview what's going to happen in, in in the days to come. So I mean, it's very interesting how this all all goes goes down. It's very interesting the way because do you remember that movie, Roger? I don't know if you even saw it. Uh, Detroit. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Also a Jesse Plemons movie. Um, that was um, who made that? Was um, excuse me, that was uh, the same. Who did uh, Catherine Bigelow did Detroit as, as well? That was decent, um, decent game on PlayStation. Yeah, well, become thank human. You. Um, it's a the Detroit is the a fact based drama. I'm reading off IMDb. Set in 1967 Detroit riots, in which a group of rogue police officers respond to a complaint with retribution rather than justice on their minds. I mean. That's not. That's another. You know, it's another one in the same vein, and that's also that's John Boyega, Anthony Mackie, um, Catherine, Catherine, yeah, Catherine Bigelow made. It's one. If 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 it's if you see, you should watch that okay. one. I think that one's a little harder to watch. It, it goes a little further with the with the whole racial thing, uh, with the whole name calling. But I mean, that one goes a little further. But it's still another one that's like, it's just as tough to watch. But it does a good job with keeping you on both both sides of the of the morality line here. Like what side do you side with? You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it does right. another good one to do. I mean, Catherine Bigelow is a very competent director, much mm-hmm. like Shaka King. So, I mean, I just, two movies, I, I compare back and forth. And as far as I've never seen that, I have to check that out. That may, I think uh, Nick and I talked about that one right before you, you, you came on the show. I mean, no, if, it, if, if, if it wasn't like it, <laughs> it had to be weeks before you, you, you came on the show. <laughs> Wait, what? I said the dark days. The dark days. Yeah, yeah. Before the aviators. Yeah. Before. In the dark times. Um, yeah, there's so... What did you guys really love about... Let me ask you that. What did you really love about this movie? Besides Daniel so, Kukalua, he's I, easy I to love. I have a scene that I loved in this movie. So when everything is going down, when they're talking about who's snitching, all right? When they're talking about how the one informant for the one guy that's coming from New Haven's an actual FBI informant, and then everybody finds out about it, and Bill is freaking out. I mean, he's freaking the hell out, mm-hmm. and he's like, "They're going to know it's me. They're going to know it's me." Mind you, he doesn't know about the other snitch. Like, yeah. he has no idea. The only people that know about this are the FBI guys. And he, like, they come into the the headquarters. Everything's ransacked. There's shit everywhere, and he just like. There's a snitch. Yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. loses his yeah. mind. Like almost to the point where he's fist fighting somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I love that scene. Because like he walks out, he storms out of the building, gets in his car, and he's all huffing off pissed. And he slams it in reverse and just starts smiling to himself yeah. as he drives away. Yep. I was like, that's great. Mm-hmm. That is a great scene. It is. Well, yes. because they just talked about this. One of the snitches that, that they caught, they tortured and they poured boiling no, water over his head. And... Yeah, it wasn't even a snitch yeah. that, they, that they did that to. It was the snitch that did that to cover for himself. 
You killed a random guy to cover for him. Oh, man. <laughs> That's just one of those things. That just, yeah, I mean, you know. But also, it also, I mean, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya, they sold their roles very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're great. They, I mean, they are excellent in this movie. Well, they're excellent all the time. I, I've actually haven't seen anything with either one that, I'm, that have been less than excellent as far as they're concerned, their contribution to whatever it is. I love um, Lakeith Stanfield and Knives Out. I think he's great in that movie. Uh, he's the detective. He's the young detective yes. who, yeah, yes, is like, is. yeah, he's great in everything he's in. He was, what's that movie he was in? Um, Get Out, was it? Or was it? No, uh, Daniel Kalu is in, in Get Out. Who, what like he said he was in the one where he didn't know he was like a guest of the party and then the and the the camera shutter took took him out of his trance remember you remember that one? Oh, he was yeah he was the um he's in that movie he's in get out okay that's what okay that's, that's how i thought it was but he's excellent he's excellent in everything he's in man he's excellent excellent day um i would is it too wrong to talk about um the departed when it comes to this even if it's only for the lakey stanfield character no, I know, I know what you're saying, but I don't. He needed therapy after filming this movie. Who did? Like he Stanfield. Yeah, yeah. Is that a real thing, or are you just saying it's that? a real thing? I don't doubt it's it. A real thing. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can imagine. But like, that's the I love the. I I kind of wish we we'd have gotten more for. We did hear, as Chris said, we did hear him screaming into the phone. He's done. He's going to quit, and then this is too much for him. I did we ever get a scene? I, I can't think. Did we ever get a scene because we see him meet up with the Plemons character several times in restaurants, you know, even at Plemons' house. Mm-hmm. He's never worried about being followed. We, we we never get that scene where he doesn't know if he's being followed or not. He doesn't know anything about uh, what anyone else when knows. He gets the key. He's super nervous <laughs> when they give him the keys to the gas station. He's really nervous in that scene because all the things that are going like that are going down around him and what he. When uh, which is, which is he's nervous because of my favorite scene when he's in the bar, and the um and the older gentleman who's hitting on that girl first. Oh yeah, like when when his when that guy you know starts talking to him and how that ends up, he's super paranoid after that, like yep. beyond reason. When the guy gives him his own wallet back. Yep. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yep. So it's like, you know that at that time he was paranoid about everything. So I'm betting he was worried he was followed too, but. The FBI agent was just fine, you know. So if he's all right, then it doesn't really matter. So yep. Uh, what else? Did anything else stand out to you guys? Like the score? I not the score didn't stand out to me. Like, like I don't, I don't remember much about the score, score. Stood out to me. Yeah, the the movie opens up with that with that freaking noise. That oh yeah, that the very uh, like that what like yeah, that yeah. one yeah yeah uh, yeah that completely irritated the living crap out of me and it ha- and luckily it happens two other times in this movie so it's great however it does happen at the very at the very end of the movie to give you a callback you know to the beginning being messed up but still i hated that noise thank you whoever decided that was a good idea so it was memorable it's stuck out. <laughs> so it was memorable never i'll never forget it good that's pro- i mean that's you know it's, it's, it's thematically it makes sense it's, it's so drawing attention good? to something <laughs> you thought it was good <laughs> So did you guys? So before we rate this, it, this is a much the in, in enjoyability as far as oh, sorry entertainability much more than Nomadland. I think so. Oh, hundred percent. Now is it because stuff? Is it because there's actual action scenes? I don't know if there's actual action, but I mean there's there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie. I, I was and it's and it's all 
you know, most of it is not dramatized. It's like real actual events that took place. Well, I was going to say it's just actually entertaining, but <laughs> that too. How'd you guys like Martin Sheen and him, all of his, uh, all of his makeup? <laughs> uh, the makeup was a little heavy. <laughs> you could tell. I mean, I, I get it though. Yeah, it was what it was. Yeah, so his character um, was. I th- I thought the J the J Edgar Hoover character was a little. I think a little bit of an overkill for the movie. Well, I mean, J Edgar Hoover is never uh, memorialized in movies in a positive, positive light. Yeah, no. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. You could maybe he was a shitty person. You could remove him from the whole movie and it not change anything. True. Jagger Hoover was like a known racist too, wasn't he? Like yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was a bad person. Yes. Yeah, he's a bad but he was also in charge of the most powerful police force in the United States. Yeah. But again, you could remove, you know, not, nothing against against, you know, what was it, Sheen? Mark yeah. Sheen. And nothing against him, but you could remove him and that role from the movie and it doesn't change a thing. Not, not a whole lot, no. No, there's one well, scene where it actually impacts and matters. Yes. But even that, you could do it another way. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could. Maybe, I mean. Uh, I know yeah. what you're saying. I guess. I'm just thinking about if you. I did like the extra star power. I doesn't hurt. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. It has a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. If you do remove Martin Sheen, does it kind of. I maybe he was in there for a different reason. Like as far as the police force is concerned, to to maybe more vilify them. If well, that I makes mean, sense. Like I said, Jagger who was a shitty person. It's easy to vilify him. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that's there's a re- there's a reason that he's in there, and and he he gets a little bit of screen time. He 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 does. Sure, and it's fine. He he does a great job. But no, he definitely. There, there could definitely been a cut of this movie where there wasn't Martin Sheen and it wouldn't change a whole lot. No, so it could just been anonymous, called... this could have been an anonymous voice on the phone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that could have been the same concept. Context. I mean, he's the one. He's the one calling the shots. He's the one telling yeah. him what to do to root out the problem. Well, I mean, problem. nameless police force higher up the chain. Yeah. also works. So yeah. that's you don't off the phone. Need yeah. him to make this happen. Yeah, but it's fine. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's move to rate this then. All right. I'll go first. All right. Go, go I'll do ahead. Uh, I think this movie's an eight. Um, it hits pretty clean across the board for stuff that I like in a movie. Um, one, spectacular acting by multiple people, um, which makes it a lot easier to watch. Um, this movie's a couple hours long, or just a shade over a couple hours long, and I thought it's paced really, really well. Mm-hmm. Like, each scene is an impactful thing, and there, there's a good bit of time that takes like skips over during this movie. It's about basically a calendar year that goes by, and it doesn't, you know, and it feels it feels like it flows pretty well. Um, this movie's going to be nominated for a bunch of stuff, and that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I give it an eight. Okay, I'll go second. Um, this movie, this movie is is a six and a half for me, and it's same thing that Roger just said. It's acted extremely well. A lot of star power. You know, it's shot well. It's dramatic. I, I do love all those things. My 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 big thing holding it back from anything higher though is, I mean, even with or without it being you know a true event story, it's so predictable along the way. And I and that's something that gets me in movies when there's just way too much predictability or by the numbers. You know, I, I can tell it's by the numbers in some ways. That's a, that's a tough thing to change though when it, I know when it's a true story. I know, I know, I know. And uh, like I said, that's why it's not bringing it below that five for me. It's just it's the thing that holds it back from a higher score. Okay, but no respectable movie. Great, you know, great acting. You know, wonderfully told. You know, hard hard to watch, and you know, for the, for the, all the right reasons. But just 
I just can't do the predictability. Hurts me. I mean, I can understand that. This movie sits at an eight for me. That's where it was. Um, I, for the same reasons Roger said, incredibly powerful uh, performances across the board. Uh, it's it's told from an interesting angle, one that we don't often get. So I, I definitely like that. One thing that I was really kind of speechless with, and I, I didn't want to talk about it, but the end, the, the one of the last scenes of the film, so powerful. Oh, yeah. I, it's so incredibly powerful. It's almost moving in like the opposite way. You know, like what it's just what happens to a certain character. It's just like, oh my goodness. But the, the entire narrative leading up to it makes that scene so impactful in the end that it's just like, it, that's going to stick with me for a long time. Especially when it happens, the person in the frame at the time and where, where everything is, where, where all the, where everything is blocked and who's in the frame and the, very forefront and what's going on in the background it's just it's a wonderful way well i mean wonderful in like an infamous way to like bring that all full circle but i loved it i thought that was as powerful a way as you as you could have ended that scene literally it couldn't be any more powerful than what happened so i mean that, that alone for me memorable this whole thing is so memorable an eight is where it sets for me and an, an eight an absolute eight mostly look we're all back in the same room again oh, yeah, weird. that uh, there, there are some things I didn't like about it, but I mean, nothing that's going to stop it from getting the eight. I, I guess Fine. I could say, but I enjoyed it. That was good. I, I really did. Um, I, I think it's a shame for a movie like this that it's not going to be. It just it comes out in a time of COVID, because I think this movie would have done really great box office. I mean, again, the pandemic is something that couldn't no one ever could have predicted. But I mean, it's just I. It's a shame that movies come out during pandemic time. And like we said, the box office made $3.5 million. That's not enough money to any kind of box office. Unless HBO is somehow monetizing views, making them dollar signs. Uh, but how, I mean, how do you think this is done on, on, on HBO Max? I'm sure Let me just fine. I mean, are, are, we, are we talking like incredible viewership? Are we talking like moderate? No, we never know who's watching stuff on Netflix. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it, I don't even try to quantify that stuff anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it comes down to the fact that we can't. You know, we can uh, we can assume because the movie's good, it's getting high viewership. We're never going to know the answer to it. But all all we do know is is that HBO, you know, has this movie. They're showing it, you know, and I think it is going to bring you know a healthy amount of audience to it. But I don't think it, you know, sells subscriptions or anything like that. That's not what happens here. No, I th- I, th- I think you're right. It's just. But I think the I think this movie also benefits from word of mouth. If people watching and say, you sure. know what, you should you should definitely check that one out. Yeah, you know that one's great. Check it out. It's got a good cast. It's a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the the, the opposite of Nomadland. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Oh jeez, oh, <laughs> Nomadland. All right, we talked about two very interesting movies today. You know, both very artistic. One's more like a poem. One's more like a mainstream. But uh, it was a good episode. Hey, it was all better than lockdown. True. <laughs> Locked. What did we give that? Like a three or like a two point five or something? I think nobody gave it higher than a three. Collectively, it was a two point five. Jeez. The more I think about that movie, the worse it gets in my head. And I, okay. I, was, I was, I was actually going to rewatch it this week no, to see if never. I, I just, I couldn't bring myself. I, I watched the Harry Potter movie instead. I'd be mad so. at you if you watched that movie again. Yeah, it's just, it's just not one of the movies I'll ever return to. No, I rewatched uh, Lockdown, guys, and uh, <laughs> it's a little better than what I thought it was. <laughs> You know what? It sits at about an eight and a half now. Eight oh, and a half. God. <laughs> I'm going to take my score back from a two and a half to about a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you sound so smarmy at the time, too. 
I also well, kind of rewatched Joker. I think it's a six five. You know, oh, bringing it down. Shut shut it. Shut <laughs> I'm bring it down. Oh my god, I don't. Oh my goodness, Joker's always my seven. It's always going to be my seven. I really think it would have been better with Jared Leto, actually. No, I, that's something I don't think about. <laughs> I am, and I have, in no sentence ever said I think Joaquin Phoenix is worse than Jared Leto. Never. No one has ever said that. As a matter of no fact, one I don't would think be shocked it. if you said it though. Why no. would no one be shocked? <laughs> it just seems to be your thing lately. Wrap her on. Let's go. All right. <laughs> this has been episode 214 of For Love of Cinema. Each new episode posts every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcast service. You have a choice of the following five: iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pot. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. I have no Twitter. None. No Twitter. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Uh, we are on Facebook. You can check out our videos we've done in the past. We're working on an idea to do another video soon. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, you can send us an email to For the Love of Cinema Podcast at Gmail. Dot com and next week we're looking at I Care a Lot, a Netflix original which came out this week, and The Martinian, which also came out very recently theatrically. So it should be another interesting week, another episode of WandaVision. WandaVision. WandaVision.